for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. From the big game, of course, Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs and Eagles. We'll talk plenty of Super Bowl with you here on ESP 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Brian Hanley, but we've got lots of other things to get to as well, including, of course, our big Pro Bowl preview. Right, Bri? Absolutely. I Nothing better than a Pro Bowl unless it's the NHL uh, All-Star Weekend. Huh? Uh, boy, this, this, this uh, dodgeball? Dodgeball. You, you know what? Dodgeball is one of the few things I actually uh, I am okay watching on, of well, the Pro Bowl games. We've all been there, done that. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you went, to, if you went to grade school at a certain time, yes, uh, a certain era, that dodgeball was, uh, you know, part and parcel of what your gym class looked like. Just because the gym teacher wanted to go, probably have a, a, a shot or two in the office and just let you go, you know, kill each other. I think there was one half of the class that lived for the dodgeball unit and their PE, and then there was the other half that's probably still have has some mental Terrorized. scars, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know still has a uh, a weekly therapy session where they delve into <laughs> some of those memories of getting pegged in the face. Maybe like Saquon Barkley did. Did you happen to catch that clip? He caught a ball right in the face. Oh yeah, in uh, dodgeball this past I, Thursday. So I think I still got spalding on my on my forehead from when I. Uh, yeah, who was it? Um, a couple of people, a couple of the NFLers weren't were, were really keen on the whole thing, um, you know, saying that basically this is bleep. Um, Josh Jacobs, I do, uh, the Raiders running back, mm-hmm. said this this stuff is, you know, why am I here, basically? But what are you going to do? I mean, anyone who's actually a, a, a pro bowler opts out because they want anything to do with it and they'd rather be on vacation and not get hurt. Mm-hmm. They come up with an injury. But, you know, the NHL has come up with, they used to, you know, have the the target, you know, put the plates around the uh, the net and mm-hmm. have accuracy. accuracy. Yep. Yeah. There's no right answer, and, and look, if, if it entertains somebody, I guess it's okay. I just, <laughs> as I get older, I have less time for for all the gimmicks. That's, that's... No, no, there's certainly an element of that. It definitely feels like, especially as the father of a 12 year old, these mm-hmm. Pro Bowl games, the NHL. You know, all-star skill competitions. It's tailor-made for the young generation, the next, you know, trying to capture something that might entertain them. And especially, too, when you see, like, what the NHL did um, really feeding into the Florida market, the dunk tank. You know, when trying to create some type of viral moment that they can actually watch, you know, have a little bit of a lasting lifespan on your social media accounts and then try and catch the interest somehow, some way. I do think the NHL... Maybe it's just the timing of of it for them where it's coming during the season. And so it does feel like I I know the players who make it, it's it's almost like a a mini vacation for them anyway because it's during the season. But to your point about the Pro Bowl for the NFL, it's a wrap. You know, nobody really, really wants to be there for the most part. It's kind of a it almost feels like a, a networking opportunity for some of the younger players because, you know, most of the veterans have 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 definitely hit the eject button on the season and are already you know vacationing somewhere in Cabo, right? Like, but- well, I mean, look when when it was uh, in Hawaii every year, they all went. They didn't necessarily want to play, and if they did play, they didn't really go full speed. 
but they liked all the the beach parties and everything. Sure. Went, oh, well, then, Who does the ones that, you know, They even moving it to Florida really didn't have that same sex appeal for the NFLers. Um, and having covered a number of the NHL um, festivities over the years. Back in the day, I mean, they, they remember they did uh, basically was it the world against the North Americans? Oh, sure. So, I mean, and, and you know, then they kind of came up with money, you know, winning team actually incentivized the, 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 you know, which should get some people's attention. But even the NHL stars are making a, a pretty good buck back yes. in the day relative to the rest of the leagues. They weren't making anywhere near that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but- yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it, I think the NHL does a pretty good job. I mean, in Vegas, they did a pretty good job uh, last year um, utilizing the Strip and Bellagio and everything else. So yes. they, they, they're, they're marketing people. They've come a long way from being, you know, a punchline about how they market their product. There's no question about it for anybody who missed it. Like, I will say, I do think um, on Friday night, they did. Now, these are a couple of, now, this is two where they've gotten a little bit smarter about, recording some of their events and then creating a television product because honestly that's what the bigger factor should be for the nhl right and they they recorded a couple of skills events i mentioned the splashdown or i don't even know what it was called but that was the (laughs) the dunk tank where there was like an accuracy shooting contest for a lot of the league's better players and then you had some of the marquee players sitting in a dunk tank and if the player could hit the five surfboards and then a final dunk tank target then the player who was sitting there would, you know, would would drop if uh, they beat the time of the uh, previous uh, the previous person. So anyway, it's kind of convoluted. Once you, if you watch it, though, it's pretty easy what they're trying to accomplish. It's almost it's almost easier to watch than explain in some ways. Yes. I do think they did a pretty good job with that one because I was who doesn't love a dunk tank is what it comes down to, right? Exactly right. I mean, at, at back in the day, you know, the local parish or, or, or you know they were having their carnival or the uh-huh. fundraiser. If they didn't have a dunk tank, you know, what was the point, right? But the dunk tank was very popular. It, but when I think of Florida, is really surfing a thing in Florida? I don't no, know that true. it is. Yeah. yeah. No, it's that's definitely more of a uh, Cal- uh, Southern California yeah. uh, hobby. But nevertheless, I still found it somewhat amusing to see Sidney Crosby hop up in the dunk tank there. So <laughs> that, uh, that was all right for me. And then He um, needed a boost. Yeah, someone had to help him up there. They, they did a... Uh, they, they in the the breakaway contest where you know it's their version of the dunk contest. Uh, it's definitely become you know, and I do think you know Alex DeBrincat did a good job last year when he was oh, yeah. for the Hawks. Like if the players are engaged and they go all out creating some type of visual element, like yeah, he did oh, the Hangover. Last absolutely, year. like yeah. a, but if oh you know Ovechkin uh, brings out Sidney Crosby, who's probably been who's been it's been the biggest rivalry in hockey for the last fifteen years. Those two, Sid versus Alex, and. You know, to have him skate down the ice with him and uh, his his uh, son Sergey Ovechkin, who was four years old uh, in a <laughs> o, in an OV Junior, uh, know, right? that, that that's one of those. Again, that's what I'm talking about. The viral moment you create that I think is where the NHL looks at it and says it's a success. But then look at what what's going on yesterday. I, I still don't completely comprehend. It's at this point they've been doing it for so long, but the three on three divisional team breakup it hurts my head every time they go to it brian they've been doing it for like i don't know like five years now it yeah, seems like yeah and but to your point bring me back to the good old eastern conference versus western conference please for my all-star games call yeah. this is how i know i'm getting old just hey, you know hey peyton manning's 11 year old son i mean a viral moment unintended wasn't scripted you know throwing deep uh passes was it to jeffries or yeah and um I- i'm sure there are universities now planning his um 
his visit and going to spend what they spend like last year five hundred thousand on uh, on Eli and Peyton's nephew. Uh, I think Arch, University, I, yeah, I, I, University of Texas was like, that. Honestly, was that it? I feel like it might have been more. Arch, it, I, Arch Manning. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, the, the now with the name and likeness and, and the money, you can you guarantee him three million dollars, whatever it is. But the, the, just to wine them and dine them on the weekend for the the visit, the official visits now almost a million bucks. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know I'm, I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, <laughs> the, all the stuff I'm saying brings up Arch Manning, as you mentioned, Peyton and Eli's nephew, uh, Cooper's son. He has now. This is this is a first for me. I'm gonna, I'm not going to lie, Bri. As I Google it and try and find out more information, I did not know that high school kids have valuations now, like they're like they're so- or international soccer players. It just makes sense, though, um, yeah. that Arch Manning has a three and a half million dollar nil valuation as he's headed to texas so <laughs> it's oh, the, it's it's a, it's a new paradigm my friend yeah you went from you know the kids can't get 20 bucks for pizza you know or the hundred dollar handshakes from the from the alum <laughs> sure. that used to get schools in trouble to here's your valuation don't take a penny less than that all right so the afc will try today to uh and again it's the pro bowl games i guess there's some sort of uh some sort of uh, flag football element to this seven on seven or something that's going on. I, again, this is too where it gets a little convoluted because uh, it's not like the leagues go out of their way to completely explain what's going to happen in these uh, Pro Bowl games, right? So I'm not completely sure as to how it's going to unfold, but it will today at two o'clock. In Here's the-, the only thing I know that that I, I'm confident as mm-hmm. we sit here today and talk about the officiating is going to be terrible. <laughs> The NFL has uh, definitely cornered the market on beneficiating. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the AFC will try and extend their streak to six straight wins. I'm sure nobody else out there was aware of that. They have won five AF. They've won five Pro Bowl games in a row. So okay. So uh, raise your right hand and and put your hand on the Bible. Any? Do you, have you ever bet the Pro Bowl? I have once, and yeah. it completely. I I came to the conclusion that this was something I would never do again, and I have lived up to that. It was probably ten years ago, and I was just, I you know, I I was like, this is absurd. Why am I betting on this? I'm sure I have. Uh, I mean, I used to have a producer who Mm -hmm. would bet bet the uh, blue gray game on Christmas Day or Eve, whatever the hell, and Mm -hmm. like his family's opening packages. (laughs) He's he's got his ear to the radio, or you know, it was before. before we all had phones to keep you up to date, you'd have to sneak into the living room and turn on the TV. I mean, it, that's hardcore. Uh, we'll have to ask Teddy uh, today if, if if he's got any locks for the Pro Bowl today. Yeah, absolutely, we will do that. Uh, Teddy Greenstein will join us today at ten thirty. We will get an early look at some of the uh, Super Bowl lines. We'll check some of the props that he may or may not like. Um, with him around 10.30. Also, Mike Tanier is going to join us at 10 o'clock. He was down in Mobile this week as the Senior Bowl was going on. That's something we should definitely hit on here next because Luke Getze, the Bears offensive coordinator, was the head coach for the American team, and they got crushed yesterday, 27-10. to 10. Now, I don't know. There's nothing to take away from that, obviously. The reality well, that's is... That's it. We're not interviewing Getsy anymore. He, he, openings. It's over before it started, Bri. The, Did you uh, see him on the sidelines of that senior bowl? Uh, we can't waste our time with that guy. I spent five minutes this morning watching uh, Luke Getsy be mic'd up for the senior bowl. So uh, that was something. But... He does hey, sound... Well, here's the only thing I found. I mean, this week, he apparently, like... He drinks squirt like it's water. Was that was it squirt? 
I, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he had like a couple cans on the, on the dais or whatever. And, I did uh, not. I did not notice that. We need to get that man off of the uh, soda, though. We got to get him. Yeah. Into- oh, Danny Zetterman right now is just—he's screaming. What? No, that's not going to. That's not good for anybody. Uh, yeah, no, a big opportunity for him though to uh, get the head coaching experience. He uh, he talked about just trying to take advantage of it. I always try to you know dominate the situation that I'm in. Um, be prepared for what's next. Uh, and then, you know, just having the opportunities that I've had to be around the coaches that I've had, they've inspired me. So that that, that hunger and the desire grew and grew and grew. And, and now it's something that, I, you know, that I hope one day I'll be able to get, you know, get to be able to do. Uh, you got to love the classic coach speak. Dominate the situation. He's the head coach of... Uh... <laughs> Of seniors at the the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, not when, even the top tier seniors, just the you know, the they're not showing non-first up. Not first rounders, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, what he learned this week. The, the biggest thing you learn from something like this is like you have to think of everything, right, and make sure that everything is good to go. It's something as simple as you know practices in the afternoon, making sure that the the linebacker has the the earpiece in his helmet. You know, you, you want to make sure you cross all you cross every T, dot every I. And sometimes, you know, you take that for granted whenever you're in you know, an organization like Chicago that takes care of it for you. And so when you're in that, that, that position, you got to make sure you're checking every corner. I do think this experience will be very valuable for him going forward. Certainly, if the Bears have a good offensive season next year, his name, which already, you know, has come up. He's had a few interviews for head coaching opportunities. Of course, the season went a little sideways for the Bears offense after that, you know, shortly after that Patriots, uh, you know, that display on national television shortly after that, it kind of went sideways and things didn't continue in the progression that I'm sure he was hoping. But at the same time, this opportunity this week at the senior bowl to oversee all these players and kind of get a feel for what it's like to be a head coach, to run all these practices that will be invaluable for him going forward. No doubt, because I think it will just help him. It'll give him the experience, obviously that he has been lacking a little bit when he goes into these future meetings and maybe, you know, he can take something from it and then, you know, use it and work it into his interviews as he tries to certainly impress a future employer. But he will be here next year. We know that's that is for sure. I mean, it's a huge year for him, and mm-hmm. I mean, not just Justin Fields. And and you know, when he was being quizzed on it this week, he said, "Well, you know, tell me who we're going to have. Basically, you know, what's the offensive line going to look like? You know, what's the receiving core? I mean, assuming Ryan Poles is going to get a lot done with the salary cap room he has, and obviously the first overall pick that many people think he's going to parlay into more picks." Uh, you know, defense, there are needs everywhere, but Luke Getzey's and Justin Fields, I mean, uh, Justin Fields among qualified quarterbacks was dead last in passing in the league. Um, so let's just say there's room for improvement there. It, it's, it, it's a huge, it's a huge year for Getzey, not well, just for future employment, but if he sticks around and Justin Fields is the guy, we're going to have to see it sooner than later when that season starts next fall. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so what will Ryan Poles do with some of that cap room? We had a salary cap expert join Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week. I'll play you some of the more interesting comments he had coming up next on ESPN 1000. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Introduce us. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Brian Hanley, hanging out with you guys till 11 o'clock today on ESPN 1000, talking a little bit about the Super Bowl that's about just over a week away now. 
Kickoff, what, 5.15, 5.20 or so? Maybe it'll be more like 5.35. Who knows, after the uh, anthem and all that good stuff. Of course, we've got the Pro Bowl to occupy our time somehow, some way, if we'd like that. But we're always looking at what the Bears can do to get better and what the plan is for Ryan Poles as he looks to build this team into an actual Super Bowl contender. Can they be in the conversation next season? That seems a bit aggressive, but nevertheless, hopefully two years from now, it might be a much more realistic goal. Now, Bri, Brad Spielberger was on with Waddle and Sylvie. He is a cap expert. He works uh, for Over the Cap. And the question that I kept seeing pop up throughout the last week or so was, okay, we all know that the Bears had the most cap space available to them. And the number we frequently saw throughout the season was anywhere between like 112 and 119 million dollars available to them. However, in the last week or so, the NFL told teams that the cap for next season is going to be 224.5 some odd dollars or whatever. And that was essentially what they were expecting. However, in the process, the Bears number has gone from that 100 plus million dollars available to them to somewhere between 90 and 92 million dollars of cap space. That's a hell of an accounting rounding. Yes, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Now, I will say it is still the most in the league available to any team. And it is also more than twice as much than any other team except yeah. for the Falcons, who have roughly $56.5 million available to them. So the Bears are going... Relatively, I mean, the, the, the number's lower, but relatively it's the same, uh, you know, distance between first and second, right? They're still well, well out of the rest of the league. Yes, they're going to be the team that gets to push around their chips at the table more so than any, any other because they are the chip leader here. Now... Brad Spielberger explained what happened to all the Bears' money. First, it's Riley Reef earned some playtime incentives for $4.5 million. Then the next big chunk is there's something called the Proven Performance Escalator, which is non-first-round picks can earn an elevated salary in the fourth year of their rookie deal if they play a certain amount of snaps in the first three seasons. And the Bears have six 2020 draft picks that apply. Um, all those guys got raises of about $1.5 million, so... Right there, I got you about 15. There's other small things and futures, reserves, deals, and all that. Uh, but, but that's where all that, all that money went. They still, though, have more cap space than any other team by over $30 million this offseason. Now, so that's the good news, of course. And I do think one thing that was not mentioned in that specific soundbite was the fact, though, that because the Bears have the number one overall pick, they also have to allot for the most cap space to go towards signing their draft picks because, of course, they have the highest pick. So they're going to have to account for paying the most money because that money, of course, is slotted. So the Bears are going to be on the hook, which is obviously a good problem to have. But they have the most money committed to their first overall pick. So that I think also they also. I chunk. think they use the tag on Staley too. So that's probably about twenty million you gotta mascot keep, money. You got to keep him around. He's oh, absolutely invaluable. Um, what is the uh, franchise tag going right for a mascot these you days? Don't, you just don't want him hit the market and find out. It's impossible. So just, yes. No. No. Hey, no. I mean, you think there'd be a feeding frenzy for Lamar Jackson? Just imagine if Staley hit the market. Hey, I remember when I was covering the Bulls when I found out what Benny made at the time. I'm like, <laughs> yes, Good I. Lord. 
I think if we, if you work in this industry, we all have had that realization at some point in our career, and you're like, wow, God, should've I should have I should have been I should have been a mascot. I should have been a good mascot. Right, right. Yeah, I think he was a gymnast at Oregon before he became. I mean, he and he, he he's he great. Was, Absolutely, he's great. He, I mean, entertainer. But good lord, when you're you're banking that that kind of six figures, I was like, really. And no wonder who pays for the big fifty-pound bag of popcorn every night. I hope that doesn't come out of his allowance. Uh, speaking of rounding errors, uh, more from Brad Spielberger here. He talked about so what will the Bears end up doing with all this cap space? And this is one though where maybe an eyebrow gets raised by Bears fans because some of these numbers floated in this one kind of kind of stun you. So usually we get free agency first, but I, I would imagine as of right now they're already in conversation with Komet's camp, with Mooney's camp, with Johnson's camp. Um, I think two of those three guys you probably really tried to get extended. I think it's going to be tough with Johnson just because he didn't play a lot this year. Um, I think he's shown a lot when he is healthy, but obviously has the shoulder injury concerns going back to college. Um, but, yeah, long answer short, yes. I think they will work really hard to extend Mooney and Komet if they can. So some more specifics. How much then would it cost to retain someone like Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet with extensions? So I'll start with Mooney. Uh, I think a range of maybe 17 to $20 million per year um, is a fair number. I know you're going to see a lot with Bears players, especially receivers. You know, you'll see volume statistics and things like that. And I think it's just kind of unfair to hold that against Mooney, but the Bears are dead last in passing yards most of his first three years in the NFL. I think he is. A really good player. I look to Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh as a solid comp who got right around $18 million per year. I know when he got hurt at the end of the season, I know he had the, you know, the missed catch against Washington on the goal line, but he also had a bunch of highlight catches. I think he's the hardest-working guy in the entire building. Um, so I would be happy with getting that done. And then for Komet, I know fans are going to kind of freak out about this, and the, the market is just at tight end is so bizarre where – there's essentially a ceiling, you know, with, well, I guess Darren Waller now, but basically George Kittle at $15 million per year kind of set a ceiling, and no one has surpassed that since on a true, you know, multi-year extension. Waller's a bit different. But all these mid-tier guys, like a Dalton Knox in Buffalo, getting over 13 per year. I mean, Cole Komet is as good as Dalton Knox in Buffalo. I think he's going to get $12, 13000000 million a year, and I know Bears fans probably aren't going to love to see that. Those are two big numbers that he mentioned for Mooney, somewhere between 17 and 20, and then uh, mentioning for Cole Komet, almost $13 million as a, as a, as a top-off. What? What? Okay, I never thought I'd hear George Kittle and Cole Komet's name so closely aligned. Uh, you, I mean, look, I, local kid, God bless him, Notre Dame product, you know, seems like a hardworking guy, and, and the previous regime did nothing other than drafting him in the second round to, to really try to figure out what they had there. But thirteen million for Cole Komet? I mean, it's not just Bears fans. I, I God bless. I mean, it, a, a nice work if you can get it, but you got to be kidding me. No, it, that that definitely was staggering to me to hear that number floated, and it just feels like you know. And he mentions Dawson Knox there too, and I still he's somebody who's making thirteen per year. Honestly, Brad's assessment there, you know, that Dawson Knox they're similar players. I think Dawson Knox is a more dynamic downfield threat and that's something that i think i know that everything you hear whenever it's luke getsy or matt eberflus or even ryan poles they've been effusive in their praise about cole Komet. but man i don't know about you bry but like it's like i watch when i watch the games that effusive praise does not match up with no. what i've seen on the field jeff i mean again and i know he, you know he started getting targeted more as the season progressed this year and i know josh allen isn't thrown to him and the the buffalo offensive line isn't there but 
Okay, so in the NFL, it all comes down to what's the guaranteed money, right? Yes. We can we can talk four years at thirteen to fifteen million, and that, that all sounds great. Are you guaranteeing two years of that? What I mean? Yeah. No. Yeah. If I you're mean, Cole, if you're Cole Komet's agent, how 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 steadfast? I mean, how strong can you dig in? How deep can you dig in and, and it, say, you know, my my client's got to have X, Y, and Z. It's a, I know. Bro. I know the whole system hasn't helped them, but from what I'm with you, from what I'm seeing, and that's not nearly uh, uh, with enough frequency. I, I, good luck. I mean, I can't see it. It's a. It, it is a great question. What will that number come down to? And I'll, quickly, you know, if that's the market they're going to play in, though, all of a sudden, all this cap room we are discussing, it's going Ooh. to start to whittle away fairly quickly. And we didn't even touch on the the idea of Darnell Mooney getting seventeen to twenty. And look, I mean, at least you can make a case that, you know, he is the hardest working guy yes. in the building and everything else. But yet you're right. I mean, that that 90 or 92, three million dollars, you know, you're going to get down to the 60 range without even thinking about it. Yeah, no, that, the, those numbers to hear it. And I, and I get it. Like if you're building a roster, sometimes you want to keep some of the good players in house. I understand that. But I just, you know, for me, it's like those are the. For the most part, the free market numbers, right? And like, if you're going to extend Comets and Mooney, we're talking about getting them deals before they hit the market. And so there would have to be a little bit more of a hometown discount, in my opinion, if I'm Ryan Poles, before I lock those guys up into those numbers. You know, someone like Evan Engram, who the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of rehabilitated this offseason, they signed him to a one-year, $9 million deal. Now, he'll be a free agent this offseason, and he's going to get paid much more than that because he was very productive. And I'd imagine that Jacksonville, if they can find the cap room, are going to want him back as well he's a little different too because he's uh he's he he operates more in the slot but when we're talking about a player who's going to occupy the tight end position i'd rather pay someone like evan engram than cole Komet, who has actually gone out there and given me a big productive season you know what i'm saying i absolutely know what you're saying it, it, it would be fascinating to see how that plays out Lots to talk about here on espn 1000 we'll continue to talk a little bit of football but it is a big week in the nba and maybe you're not aware because you're so locked, in, locked into football and the Super Bowl. The trade deadline, the NBA trade, trade deadline is this Thursday. Will the Bears, Bears, will the Bulls make a big move? Somebody, an NBA insider, doesn't think so. We'll let you hear what he had to say next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Super Bowl on Sunday, next Sunday that is, we will have ourselves an NBA trade deadline come and go Thursday at 2 o'clock central, the NBA trade deadline will happen and for Bulls fans it feels like this is going to be a big deadline for their current front office, Brian. You know, I I don't, and you know this because it's one of my pet peeves, I don't like my uh, sports executives in this city to be in witness protection. And the idea that Garpax was a punchline and, and, you know, I guess earned, rightfully earned through the years. Um, the AK Mark Eversley thing, the, the fact that they 
answer questions from the media three times a year before the season, after the trade deadline, and at the end of the season, not nearly enough for me. And if you don't have a list of about 20 questions right now to ask AK and Mark Eversley when they uh, you know, give you a, a few minutes of their time, maybe Friday after the trade deadline passes Thursday, this whole doubling down – Lonzo Ball. Now, now you're. It, it, well, they might announce a week after the trade deadline that they're shutting him down for the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. So where are you going? And one of my questions of those twenty would be, what the hell? What kind of uh, information were you getting from your medical people last fall or last summer, rather, and fall when everyone's like, well, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Oh, well, we hope so. Well, now we're sitting here in February, and there's a chance he's not going to bounce the ball in a real game this season. A year for, so now we're a year and a half without Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. And yet continuity was the word and, and was the guide. You know, we were doubling down on keeping the guys together and all this. That, that is a huge miscalculation. And I know it's a knee, but first of all, I mean, people come back from not arthroscopic, a knee, knee replacement sooner than this. I mean, this is ridiculous. So what the hell, what were you basing this on last summer when, you know, no one knew he was going to be out possibly for a second season. I, I don't. I so I've really lost a lot of faith in this front office. Now look, last night it looks great. Your three stars were your stars, eighty six points they combined for, and and the Zach Levine actually closed out a game, even though he's not going to the All Star game, which is a bad look when your max money guy can't mm-hmm. even be a, a, a reserve. But I, what this front office has lost a lot of goodwill from me and. And I think they should have faced the the microphones and the cameras well before whatever they're going to do on Friday. Uh, I can't I can't disagree with that at all. Um, they certainly, to your point too, they win two in a row here. They are now in that nine spot again, which of course would be one of the teams that are in the play in tournament, the mini play in tournament. So just they're back in that slot, and it does feel like they're wandering in the wilderness, and they have no real way out because the reality is Lonzo I don't know it's it's staggering to this at this point and they don't seem to have any idea right like no. it doesn't sound like they have any idea what's going on you know they've already you know he they've already opened his knee up twice now you know and the fact that they're still talking about you know him you know dribbling a basketball at times shooting you know like I that obviously sounds like things you say when you're trying to put the most positive spin possible on it and but you have no real hope as to what's going to how it's going to play out right yeah, just, Billy Donovan said you know as much as the, earlier in the week he said that you know he's not close he's not close and then uh, Joe Colley my buddy at the Sun Times is writing that you know there's a better chance he's getting shut down again and, and look they're supposed to have the top medical people available and certainly in this city, we have the top medical people available, and it should be at no cost. It's, I mean, it's not like you're taking Lonzo over to the closest urgent care and, and having you know, a guy you know, two years out of med school looking at that knee. I, what the hell's going on? And, and then you hear what they're asking, so reportedly asking for different players. Yeah. I mean, two first-round picks for Alex Caruso. I'm, I'm the biggest Alex Caruso fan in the world. You give me five of those guys, I can, I can win you something just from the effort and want to. But are you kidding me? No, absolutely. And one of the most rumored destinations that Alex Caruso could be heading to to go play for Golden State 
and Steve Kerr, that just got a lot fuzzier after last night because Steph Curry exited their game with mm-hmm. a knee injury. He's scheduled to have an MRI here, but they don't know how serious it is. They're, quote, crossing their fingers and hoping that they're going to be okay with that. But he was that was the one destination you kept hearing where he could land. But to your point, two first-rounders seems like a lot. That's a high asking price. Sham Sharania, who, uh, you know, amongst the best NBA insiders in the league, was in this studio on Thursday, shortly after breaking the news that Kyrie Irving was demanding a trade. Shams hopped in studio with Waddle and Sylvie inside the old National Bank studio and discussed that the Bulls are actually not looking to sell at the trade deadline. Everything I'm told about the Bulls, their full intention and full goal right now is to keep trying to win. They're trying to be a team that's going to compete and contend for the playoffs. I believe they're the 10th seed right now in the play-in tournament, maybe 11th. Um, they're, they're, I mean, that the separation between 7 and 10, 11, it's, it's going to be a race all year. And now I think teams are looking at that play-in kind of like an extended playoffs for, for the NBA. And I think that's what provided a lot of uh, balance throughout the league and why the trade deadline is going to be very interesting this year when the league is more open than ever. Uh, from everything I'm told, they want to contend for the playoffs, play-in, playoffs, um, and not toil in the lottery. And this year makes it tough, too, because... Their first round pick isn't under their control. It's a, it's a top four protected that that would go to Orlando. So, imagine giving up Zach Levine for draft picks, or giving up, you know, Demar Derozan, who was just named an All Star for draft picks, and you tank and you don't get your first round pick anyway, and you're sitting in the war room at you know and being like, we just gave up a good player for a pick like three four years down the line. Now. Listen, if someone blows them away for Zach Levine and gives them something like the Hawks got for DeJounte Murray, I mean, they'd be foolish not to listen. Uh, But right now, that offer just has not come. That's one of the premier NBA insiders, Sham Sharania, who was in studio with Waddle and Sylvie on Thursday, uh, breaking down, you know, where the Bulls are at and everything he's hearing. I think, too, a little more concerning, they followed up and asked, okay, so are they currently trying to deal... Vucevic, who, as we all know, is a free agent at the end of the season. I haven't heard them make calls. I haven't heard them really take calls on Vuce. I think this is a guy that's going to be a free agent this summer. He's going to command a pretty sizable contract. And it's going to be, you know, if, if, if a team is going to trade for Nikola Vucevic, they're going to want to know, can we retain you in the summer? And right now, not to my knowledge, has that happened. So they're not really even making or taking calls on Vuce from Shams, Brian. Okay, his stock is not going to be any higher than it no, is from the last month or two, right? And, and, and I mean, continuity and, and keeping – at the minimum, he's got to be moved. The idea that someone's going to blow you away with a Zach Levine trade, Cole Komet's going to get $20 million a year before <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Uh, Zach Levine, again, not an all-star. And I know, he, well, I, I coming off a knee and I had, uh, you know, I had time restrictions. And, well, and, you're, and finally got around to, I haven't had a very good season. Again, last night, that's what you expect to see. When Damian uh, Willard's going off for 40, you want to see Zach get the majority of his 36 points in when you need it to erase a 17-point de- deficit. Haven't seen that nearly enough. I, I just... If you're not really actively trying to sell or actively trying to buy, I guess you just say we are what we are and we'll be a play-in team. So much for the uh, the lofty standard and hope or, or statement in the summer that they want to be second-round playoff team. I mean, even that in Chicago should be laughable. I mean, if that's – instead of saying we're trying to win an NBA championship because it's been 1998, I think, the last time uh, the, the, they got a trophy. Yeah. That, 
aspiring to be the second round or, or now, you know, throttling that down to a playing team. I mean, where are we? What, what are we doing here? No, and it's confounding to look at it. So this goes back to a couple of years ago when they made the deal to acquire Vucevic, right? They gave up Wendell Carter, who, you know, while he was at that point somewhat disappointing, he was still a productive young player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in order for them to get Vooch, they had to give something up, of course. And also, they gave up two additional first-round picks, right? One that turned into Franz Wagner, who, of course, at this point is uh, an exciting young player for Orlando. Then, of course, they gave up the current first-round pick that is top-four lottery-protected. But if the Bulls don't land in that spot, it will head over to Orlando this this draft. So the Bulls are in a very tough position because they dramatically overpaid to land Vucevic, who you know at the time was a two-time All Star, and so they wanted to bring him in to pair with Zach and try and you know start building the roster up. But it was, you know, I, I think they got they got a lot of praise at the time for being, you know, a team that wanted to try and take that next step moving forward. But the reality is, once Vooch got here, I think people saw quickly that he's not the type of player who's going to be the difference between you making a deep run in the playoffs, right? He's a nice player. He's a good starting caliber player, but you need the superstar talent around him. He's a complimentary piece, right? And where they're at right now is, I think, a direct result of the them trying to make a splash early in their tenure, you know, and going out and overpaying for Nikola Vucevic, who at this stage, I'd rather have Wendell Carter, unfortunately, because of his age and where he's at. I'd rather have either of those first round picks, but you couldn't get any single one of those assets straight up for Vooch right now. No, and and I remember being in, I think, for, for Cap and Hood. I think Jesse and I were, were doing the morning show that day when the, and we were just going into transition uh, and, and with, uh, Carmen and York, and about ten minutes before we found out the Bulls were were the, the team trading for Vooch, uh, his name kind of popped up uh, on some you know uh, NBA like no one really knew he was available right mm-hmm. so and I I mean guilty as charged I was really excited in the in the moment right hey they're they're doing something substantial they're, and and at the time whether they were overpaying or not I just wanted to see you know something to help make them relevant or more relevant. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It hasn't worked out. But if that said, and you can't take that trade back, and I'd love to hear from Bulls fans, 312-332-3776. I mean, that's just one move with this front office that we all applauded and, and, and lauded last year because of what the, the Bulls did to before Alonzo got hurt. Um, I thought we have some uh, real brain trust going here. But you start looking at some of their moves, and Lowry Markinen, uh, you know, they, they couldn't develop him last couple of years. You know, yeah. all of a sudden he's he's a much better player. He, he, I guess it, it, two teams removed, but what was keeping him back here? Maybe it was Jim Boylan. I don't know. But m- my point is, I was excited for that move. But if you start looking at some of their other moves, and again, some of their decisions based on Lonzo being part of this, and now he's not part of this, and who knows if he's going to ever be a part of this. 
I, I really got some – I'm really shaking my head when I think of A.K. Mark Eversley right now. Yeah, there's a lot to dive into. We'll continue to talk Bulls as the NBA trade deadline is here on Thursday. Up at 10 o'clock, we've got Mike Tanier, who is down in Mobile scouting the Senior Bowl. He's headed to the Super Bowl this week. He's going to join us at 10 to preview that game and talk about what the Bears' plan should be. And Teddy Greenstein will join us at 10.30 to discuss some early Super Bowl prop bets, doing all that until 11 here on ESPN 1000. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. the Bulls as they down the Portland Trailblazers last night, 129-121. They have moved back into the ninth spot, so they would be a participant in the play-in tournament if the season ended today. But of course, we've got our focus set on Thursday's NBA trade deadline because for the Bulls, that is critical to discovering what their plan is moving forward. One more piece. So we got a couple calls here, Bri, but this was interesting too from Sham Sharania, who uh, joined Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week in studio, who said the Bulls are actually more likely to add at the trade deadline than necessarily uh, sell off. I've heard they're being more active in other ways. They're trying to go get a get guard help in, in the trade market. You know, they're, they're still trying to figure out, is Lonzo Ball going to be able to play the, at any point the rest of the year? I think they're, they're still holding out a little bit of hope. Uh, but listen, I think the signs aren't that good. We hear what Billy Donovan says publicly. Um, but they're holding out on that hope. But they have been active in the marketplace, trying to go get a guard out there. Um, and see, you know, can they get some help to this group? I've heard more of that than I've heard, hey, like they're shopping Zach or they're shopping DeMar. Now, listen, there are issues that I reported on that this team has gone through, uh, disconnected different points. Um, you know, the Billy Donovan uh, aspect that we reported on, that there's also been some level of frustration there. Um, but the talent, when you look at the talent, the, there is talent on this team. There's more talent on this team than there was when our church Christian Novas took over. Um, now, can this talent put it together? We we haven't seen them do it yet. How will they do it? That's obviously on them. Again, that's uh, Sham Sarani, a local kid who has really broken through to become one of the premier NBA insiders. When you, I mean, it's it's Woj and it's Shams, you know, Brian. When you talk about yep. guys breaking news, Absolutely. Shams is the man who broke the news that Kyrie Irving is demanding a trade, and he did that on Thursday before he joined Waddle and Sylvian Studio. So when he says, "Hey," The Bulls, I've heard, are more likely to actually add a guard than sell some of their pieces. It's not completely surprising, but I do put a little more stock when I hear it coming from Shams. And I think it shows you the intentions of this Bulls front office right now. They are they are trying to move forward and be a playoff team. Well, if, you're, if that's your intention, then you better go get guard help. You can't sit there and say, Lonzo's out for the rest of the season, and you still have two months and you're a play-in team now. God bless IO and, and you're doing it by committee. But if you're legitimately trying to make some noise as a playing team, you you got to go do something. It is interesting. Russ is in Palos Heights. Russ, you're on ESPN 1000. Meller and Hanley, what's going on? Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, I don't know how you can properly assess Demar, uh, Vooch, and uh, Levine uh, when you when every time Donovan goes and throws people on the floor, he's playing four on five. Uh, the reason I say that is that they keep on playing the. Uh, the timid uh, basketball uniform model P. Will he? He's really not not effective, and he hasn't been effective for years. 
Uh, as far as Caruso is concerned, it's nice to see floor burns, but uh, that doesn't equate back to points. It doesn't equate back to things that he can be reliable about because he's off all the time and hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest problem the Bulls have is they don't have a guy with any fire on the floor. There isn't one guy who's got uh, nerves and has, uh, as they often say, you know, fire in his hair uh, to be able to play, you know, a Jimmy Butler type. They have nobody like that on that team. Uh, As I said, I don't think you can properly assess the uh, value of those three guys because of the weaknesses of the rest of that uh, starting lineup. Russ, I I guess my my point, Brian, to what Russ brings up there is that, fine, they might be better if they had better players around them, but the reality is that you only have so much cap room that you can play with, and the, and Demar, Zach, and Vooch are commanding a large portion of that salary cap number, right? And so if they can't get it done when guys like Caruso and Patrick Williams are not bringing something to the floor as well, it doesn't matter because they're the guys who you're paying big money to. And, of course, yeah, Lonzo Ball is missing. He would be helpful. Well, uh, Russ just assessed the three guys too. He said you can't assess them. He just did. Um, you know, he damn. It's it, it's a damning indictment that one, those guys don't play with their hair on fire. At least one of them. They have talent and they have different talent sets, no doubt. Um, bringing up uh, Patrick Williams. Okay, I know he's still very young, but that's how. Again, how are you developing a player like that who you spent a very high draft draft asset on, and we're sitting here a couple of years later and he's no better. I mean, yeah. he shows you flashes. There's no consistency there. Consistency is it's not enough. So he, yeah. he's the number, he's yeah, the number I, four overall pick who's averaging 10 points a game. I mean, I know it's, I, it's, it's, it's listen, he, he might be a, a solid NBA starter going forward throughout his career, but I think we've kind of come to the realization that he's not going to be what you were hoping you were getting when you drafted him at four overall. Okay. So either you overdrafted him, or you have a coach and a coaching staff that can't develop a player. One of the two, or both. Mm-hmm. And, and neither one's a good look. Uh, you know, back to your Max guy not being an all-star. Um, I know Jesse went off while we were doing a show on the 23rd of December, and he just went off and went on the Billy Donovan. You know, he got an extension, and Jesse's like, what has the guy done in the NBA? I mean, you know, okay, even with the talent he had at Oklahoma City, and, and the fact that they didn't announce the extension, it was like on the, on the QT – because did they know they're going to get backlash? I mean, usually, you 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 can't wait to get that press conference to tell everyone how how great the coach is, and that's why he's sticking around. Let's slip in JB, who's in Evanston, quickly. Hey JB, I'm up against it, so make it quick. Or not? All right, thanks JB for the call. Appreciate it. That's uh, just you quick as you make Yeah, it. you know what? Good yeah. point. I asked for it, Brian. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll get back to a little bit of football conversation here. Mike Tanier, who does great work for Football Outsiders, he is also a contributor for the New York Times. For their NFL coverage from time to time, he was just down in Mobile covering the Senior Bowl, which, of course, we mentioned at the top was being head coached by Luke Getze. And uh, he's headed to the Super Bowl this week as well. So we'll check in with him next here in two short minutes on ESPN 1000.